Now I want to share something with you today that's been on my heart this week. And in fact, it's a word. It's a word that is found both in the ministry of Jesus. It's found in the ministry more so, more proliferated in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And it's, I've titled this message, The Mystery. The Mystery. Now, when we look at words in the Scripture, we have to define words as they're giving, as they were originally given. I was talking with someone this morning about how there's certain words that no matter what translation you use or how translators translate, there's certain words I hope they never change. And this is, this is one of those words. But as we look at this word that we're going we're gonna to read in just a moment, and I'm gonna, what, what I want to do is I want to try to pull all this together for us. And I think that's what a good teacher does and a good minister does. Because sometimes we're reading in the scripture, and are you like me, you don't know how it all, how does this fit together? What is, what is this teaching and this teaching of Jesus and Paul and the other apostles, how does it all fit together? What I want to do is tie something very beautiful together, very to me, it's extraordinary, and it's about the new covenant, and it's about what the Old Testament prophets said but didn't see, and what Jesus spoke about and what Paul showed us, and it, it has to do with this term mystery, the mystery. Now, as I've said, we have to define words in which, in, in biblical context, in original context, and in biblical meanings. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean this, I mean that if we talk about a mystery and all we look at it is in the 2021 definition, you're going to get something that says, you know, something weird, something bizarre, something strange, something mysterious. But I want to assure you that is not how the Bible uses the word mystery. And I want to, I want to unpack this for us today. I want to show you that you and I are part of this great mystery we're part of something extraordinary. And so it says in Ephesians chapter 3, and this will just follow me on the screen. I have a lot of verses that I want to go to. It would be better for you just to write these down because you won't be able to go as quickly as I will go. But in Ephesians chapter 3, now we're talking about the mystery today. I'm going to pull it from here. I'm going to pull it from here. And we're going to bring it all together. But the thread that you're going to see, the spiritual truth that you're going to see today is about this mystery that Paul is going to mention here. And this mystery is basically this. Now, notice, I'm going to give you the definition when it says the mystery. And I'm going to read it. But the mystery is not something mysterious. It's not something odd or bizarre, like a mysterious movie or like a horror movie or something like that. But what it simply means is this. A mystery, the mystery, that Paul is going to show us here is something, listen, it's a spiritual truth that the Old Testament prophets didn't see because it was hidden, but now in the New Covenant, it's a spiritual truth now revealed. That's simply what it is. A mystery in the Bible, something hidden in the past because God in his wisdom chose not to show the people of the Lord in the past this, but now in the New Covenant, it's a spiritual truth revealed. It's the mystery. Let's see what Paul says. This is Ephesians 3.1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, or of Christ Jesus, rather, for the Gentiles, 
if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, that word dispensation means stewardship. Paul was given a stewardship. It says of the grace which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he's made known to me, come on, there it is, the mystery. Everyone say the mystery. The mystery as I have briefly written already in which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So we have the mystery of Christ, which notice in other ages means during David's time, during Abraham's time, during Isaiah's time, during Ezekiel's time, during Malachi, in other ages, in other times. Now notice he said, which in other ages was not made known, was not made known to the sons of men. As it is now, as it it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to the holy apostles and the prophets. Now here's the mystery. And it's, listen, it's much more extraordinary than you and I think. We read these two, six and seven. This is extraordinary. Especially from a Jewish mindset. And I'm going to bore in on that a little bit. But look at the verse six. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. That's the dispensation. That's the stewardship. The gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And we say, Lord, please bless your word today to our hearts. Two things I want to say about this. First of all, the mystery is the church. And we're going to unpack, we're going to unpack the, the, some of the details in the second point of, of how, this, how this mystery is played out in each of our lives. In other words, how this mystery of God bringing us and creating the church, how the riches of God's blessing and God's grace, what we have to look forward to as this mystery unfolds. So let, but let's look at this. Here is a truth, the mystery, the church. The church was something that was not known in the Old Testament. Now, you hear people talk about the church, the church in Israel. The church, no, the church didn't exist back then. That's Israel. The church is something that is now revealed. It is a mystery hidden. They did not see it. The greatest prophets to ever live, all the way up to John the Baptist and Jesus himself, was a prophet. They did not see that. Of course, Jesus did. Now, here's what it says in Hebrews 1 and 1. Hebrews 1 and 1, we have a marginal note, Then I'm going to show you this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, that God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So the Holy Spirit would come on the prophets and he would give them a word. Now, this says... This, in the marginal note, it says portions, in different portions, various portions. That's what the NASB says, that God, who at various times and in different portions, spoke to the apostles and the, or the prophets. And when I think of a portion, I think of, okay, I'm going, I'm going through a buffet line, and I get a portion here, and I get a little bigger portion here, and I hope when I get to the dessert, I get a big portion. 
Or I think of a pie, and some people get a little portion, and then there's a bigger piece of pie. Do you realize that the, 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 the prophecies and the insights in the Old Testament were little portions compared to the portions that we've gotten? We've gotten the big portion because we've gotten what was, what was hidden to them, what was not revealed to them, has been revealed to us in the New Covenant. And what the mystery is, this mystery portion is about the New Testament church. Now, for instance, let me show you how this worked. In, in, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Here's, I want you to see. Now, notice this. When the prophets of the Old Testament prophesied, have you ever been in mountains before? Been to the Tetons or in Colorado? And, and it, when you get a little bit back from the mountains, you start seeing mountain peaks. You see this peak. And then you see another peak on the other side. And you know what they look like? They look like they're about a mile apart. But then as you get in the mountains, you realize we're 50 miles from the next mountaintop. You understand? Well, we're 100 miles. We, we thought we were going to be there in a mile. We're 100 miles away. This is how the Old Testament prophets prophesied. They prophesied from mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak. They didn't see the valleys. They didn't see all the stuff that was in between. I'm going to show you how Daniel prophesied from his day in, in, in one verse, one or two verses. He prophesies from his day all the way into the future beyond the coming of Christ to the establishment of the eternal kingdom. Look at Daniel 7, 13. And he says, I watched in the night visions and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now we know that verse is beyond our day. Daniel, thousands of years ago now, 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago, he saw, he saw from where he was standing beyond the church age. And he says, I see Jesus, the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, then to him was given dominion and glory in the kingdom, and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, and, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Here is the portion God gave Daniel. He saw from his day there was coming a day beyond Babylon, beyond Medo-Persia. Beyond Greece, beyond Rome, beyond the final form of government that will be headed by Antichrist, beyond every Gentile government, there's coming a day when there's going to be the kingdom of God is going to be established and heaven is going to come down and Jesus is going to reign, King of kings and Lord of lords. But Daniel didn't see our day. He didn't see the church. He saw, he saw the prophetic mountain peaks. Now, the Old Testament prophets, as I've read to you in our call to worship, the Old Testament prophets prophesied that the Gentiles would be saved. It says, and I'll just read this again. I read it once in this service. In Isaiah chapter 2, in verse 2, it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Notice, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. This is what they saw. They saw that Gentiles, which that's what we are. We are Gentiles. That the Gentiles 
would be saved. But also notice in Zechariah said this, Zechariah 14 in verse 5. Notice what Zechariah says. He says, then you shall flee through my mountain valley and the mountain valleys shall reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee. As you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, thus the Lord, God, the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. So what the, you see what these guys are doing. These prophets are prophesying. They're saying, we see the Lord's going to come. We see, but they didn't see 2,000, 3,000 years. They saw from here to there. But there's something in the middle of all this. And it's what God gave Paul. It's called, what is it called? The mystery. And it's us. It's us. It's the church of the Lord Jesus. Now, think about this. This is where the extraordinary thing comes in. And that's this. That though the Old Testament prophets prophesied that Gentiles, you and I, would be saved. What they did not see or what they, did, what they thought they saw was this. When they received these prophecies, they thought the Gentiles would simply be united to Judaism. And that's how they would be saved. They would be united to Judaism. But then Paul comes along and says, no, they're not going to be united to Judaism. The Lord is forming this mystery, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where everyone, Jews and Gentiles, will be saved through Jesus Christ and will come and have a relationship with God on, on the same basis, on the same ground for a Jewish person that to, to think that a Gentile would be on the same spiritual standing as they are would be unthinkable. But do you realize that's exactly what happens? When someone in this dispensation, whether Jew or Gentile, when they get saved, they become a child of God. And there's no, up, there's no big and little this and that. We're all the children of God. We all come the same way. And that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. But the prophets couldn't see the mystery what we know about Jesus is this, is that he was a Jewish Messiah. And this is something that many of us do not see, and I don't think we focus on it enough. Here's what I will say about the Jewish people. The Jewish people are a very special people. They are, in, in one sense, they're the most special people on the face of the earth. Now listen, I'm not saying God loves them more than us, but God in election chooses to do things a certain way. That's God's eternal choice in election. And for some reason, it, it wasn't because the Jewish people were larger in number than any other nation. In fact, Deuteronomy 7 says, I didn't choose you because you were larger in number. In fact, he said, you were the smallest of all. But he said, I chose you because I loved you. And when God wanted to bring salvation to the world, he chose a nation to do that. I don't know that anyone in this room, nor myself, certainly, understand the importance of the Jewish people in the redemption of the world. Do you realize what we would have if it wasn't for the Jewish people and God choosing them? We would have almost nothing referring to redemption. Paul speaks to this in Romans 9. He says this, I tell you the truth in Christ, Romans 9.1. I am not lying. My conscience also bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. That's the Jews. 
who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption. That's the election. God elected them to bring Messiah in the knowledge of God to the world. The covenants, that's Abrahamic, Davidic, uh, etc. The giving of the law. Even, listen, even our own judicial system is based on the law of Moses. From the Jewish people, through the Jewish people. The service of God, that's the service of the tabernacle. All the types, the shadows, the, the bulls, the lambs, the prescription, which points to redemption in Christ which are types and shadows, the service of God and the promises, all the wonderful promises of whom are the fathers. Notice, from, or whom are the fathers from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. Notice, Christ came, who is over all and eternally blessed. Amen. We do not have an American Messiah. We do not have a Russian Messiah. We do not have a Spanish Messiah. We have a Jewish Messiah. Salvation is of the Jews. You may like it. You may not like it. That's God's plan. That's God's eternal wisdom. That's God's choice. The Jewish people are a very special people. And we say, Lord, may peace come to Jerusalem. And when Jesus comes back, he will still be a Jewish Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah for all of eternity. Hallelujah. Now notice, we see this Jewishness, and I'm getting the mystery, but we see this Jewishness in our gospel. We see it when Jesus in Matthew 15, verse 21, there was a Canaanite lady, Syrophoenician. She came to Jesus, and she says this, Jesus, my daughter is demon-possessed. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Now, don't read into this story your humanness. But the Bible says that he ignored her. He completely ignored her cry. Now, I think what he's doing is he's drawing, he's getting her desperate. He's drawing faith out. Do you know that God will allow us to go through things to get us more debt. We're not desperate enough for God to move. I long for the day when the American church is desperate again. We're so desperate for revival. We're more hungry than we are our physical food. We want God more than anything. And now it seems like we want everything except God. We're not desperate enough. When will revival come? When you choose to have it. There is a table spread. All the promises are available. Who'll take God up on him? He doesn't answer a word. And then the disciples get a little nervous. She's saying, Lord, I want my, or Jesus, I want my, my daughter healed. And notice what he says to her. He says she came and worshiped him, verse 25. Lord, help me. Notice what Jesus says. It is not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Hmm. Think about that. Look at verse 24. Jesus answered and said, I was not, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this time, you know, the, the, there's the outring of God's plan. God does certain things at certain times. 
And Jesus is offering the kingdom to Israel. He's offering salvation to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here comes a Gentile. Lord, help me. She's praying. He said, I am sent, not except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He doesn't say a word to her. Then the disciples think they know what Jesus is doing, but they don't. We think we know what God's doing, but we don't. Send her away, Lord. That wasn't what God wanted. He was bringing out faith in her. And finally, here's what she says. I don't know how many Americans would have said this. They would have said, how dare you? Don't you know I'm an American? Don't you know I'm entitled to this? But she humbled herself and realized her place in the plan of redemption. See, we think America's central in prophetic work. It's not. It's Israel. A little tiny nation that's about the size of Connecticut or so. We need to humble ourselves to know that we're not the root. Romans 11 says the Jews are the root. We grow out of their, their we're, we grow out of the revelation that God gave Paul and Luke and Matthew. But here's what she says. Yes, Lord. Even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Just a crumb. Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be so according to your desire. And her daughter was healed from that hour. How many of you believe that we would humble ourselves more under God? We see miracles flow. But notice... How Jewish Jesus' mission is. You say, well, why did he heal a Gentile? Because of this reason. Jesus was doing what the Father wanted him to do, to bring salvation to the Jews, which the Jews would bring it through at Pentecost, would take it to the whole world. But listen to this. I don't care where you are or when you are or what's going on. There's something about the eternal nature of God's mercy. Psalm says his mercy endures forever. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter where. You may be Rahab in Canaan. You may be the Syrophoenician woman. But the God's mercy can flow to whosoever will. And he blessed her. And he'll bless you. You know what Paul said? He said this. For the gospel, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew last, hmm? first. Jesus said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul said, the gospel goes to the Jews first. Now, I'm going to tell you, the apostles understood this. In, in Ch- Acts chapter 3, we have Peter and John had the privilege of saying to a lame man, silver and gold have I none. Sound Pentecostal preachers to me. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give out of thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And his ankle bones received strength. And he began leaping and walking and praising God. And all the people were amazed. Peter begins to preach. And he starts his sermon in about verse 12. And he talks to the, he says in verse 12, Peter responded and said, Men of Israel, 
men of Israel, Jewish. Why do you marvel? Look so intently as those our own power, godliness, have made this man to walk. Thank God for a man that's honest. Oh, you know, if you come and be a part of our ministry, you may get a miracle. Peter said, not us. God did this. Notice how Jewish this is. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified Jesus, his servant Jesus, whom you delivered, you denied in the presence of Pilate when when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. He asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. In his name, and through faith in his name, he has made this man strong. How I many know there's power in the name of Jesus? Come on, just shout, Jesus! I'm going to tell you, sick can be healed in the name of Jesus. The lost can be saved. Believers can be filled by the Holy Spirit in that name. This man is made strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him was given him this, has given him this soundness in the presence of you all. And he preaches down here. In that, just amazing verses. But notice what he says here. Look at verse 25. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenants which God made to our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. To you first, verse 26. Say that again. To you first. To you first. But it's interesting What Peter had a problem with is the mystery. He couldn't really figure out how God gave it to Paul. But if you can imagine for thousands of years being told that we are the chosen people. And then all of a sudden a man like Paul comes around and says... But no, the, the Gentiles are going to be on equal spiritual footing as the Jewish people. It's unthinkable. What I think they thought was that the Lord would take the Gentiles and just join them to Judaism. But that's not what God was doing. God was involved in a mystery. God was going to create the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. How was God going to get this out of them? How were they going to understand the mystery? Look how Peter, look how in Acts chapter 10, would you look there or on the screen? Here's how the Lord starts working this out of the Apostle Peter in Acts 10. There was a man who was an Italian man, Rocky Balboa. Here he is. He's of the Italian band. Cornelius is his name. He's in the beautiful city of Caesarea. He's a devout man, verse 2, Acts 10, 2. He feared God with his household. That means he's... He's a proselyte, maybe probably not officially a proselyte, but he honors the Jewish religion and he worships the Jewish God, but not officially a proselyte. And it said he gave alms to the people and he prayed to God always. I mean, that's an awesome verse. I know people that are saved that don't even do that. About the ninth hour, it says that Cornelius sees this angel's vision. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, your prayers have come up as a memorial. I'm going to paraphrase through this. He said, I want you to go down. And I want you to send some of your men. I want you to send them to Joppa by the sea. There's a man by the name of Peter, Simon Peter. 
I want you to bring him because he's going to tell you what you've been longing for. He's going to tell you. See, God looks out over our city and he sees all the people that are crying out. And they're saying that they're, they're, they just got over a hung, hangover. Uh, almost said hungover. That's not good English. A hangover. And, or they're, they're smoking pot right now. But they really don't want to do that. They just don't even know. They're like lost sheep out there. And the Lord looks out there and he sees all the people that are hungry. And then you got someone over here that's involved in religion. And I, I went over, I was going down the street here in Garland. And there was a big Buddhist statue about three times taller than this building. A massive Buddhist temple that I didn't even know was over there. Well, this man is just trying to reach out to God. And then listen. So, he said in verse 8, he will explain the things to you. So, he sent them to Joppa. And the next day, as these men journeyed near the city, Peter asked the, his dear sister, sister Peter if she would cook some lunch. And he goes up on the housetop, which, are, of course, were flat. And he takes a nap. He's going to rest for a few minutes. Nap serve the Lord. I never believed that, but I do now. And he's up there, and he's going to rest for a minute before lunch. And he goes into what the Scripture calls a trance. He has this vision, and it's under Jewish, under Jewish dietary law, there's certain foods that are not kosher, certain foods that they should not eat. And Peter had never eaten food like that and he, but as he sees a vision a sheet comes down and on the sheet there's all these animals that are forbidden in the Jewish dietary law and they're crawling in creepy things and all of these things and the voice says rise and eat and he says uh, Lord I've never eaten anything like that and he says don't call unclean what I've called clean and he said it happened the vision happened three times and the vision goes away, and he's going, what was that? What does that mean? Lord, what is that? Lord, I've never seen anything like that. And here's what the Lord's doing. The Lord is trying to work out of Peter his prejudices. That God is doing something new. He's doing something that Paul called a mystery. He is going to unite Jews and Gentiles in a, in, a, in a wonderful body united to Christ called the church. Peter cannot get it in his mind. He cannot get the prejudice out of his mind. He thinks the Jewish people are the, are the special people. But yet what God is going to say is, yes, the Jewish people are special people. But God's going to unite a body united to Christ. And we're all going to be brothers and sisters. And so... They knock on the door and say, is Peter here? Yes. These men say, our, our, our leader, Cornelius, this is what happened. Would you please come with us? And Peter's starting to put things together. He goes to Caesarea. And he gets there, and Cornelius falls down. Begins to worship him. He said, hey, don't do that. I'm a human being just like you. You don't worship another human being. And Cornelius explains to him what happened. An angel showed up. This is what happened. This is what happened. Now Peter's starting to get the picture now. Now look at this. Look at verse 24. In the following day, verse 24, 
And the following day, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called them together as relatives and close friends. And Peter was coming, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand, stand up. I myself also, am also a man. He talked with him. And he went and he found that many had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into another nation. But God has shown, now listen, here it is. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Do you know the least racist place on the face of the earth is the church of Jesus Christ? There was a Jewish man one time, Jewish. He said, I have experienced less racism in the church. That's what the Jewish man said. That wasn't a Christian. He said, I've experienced less racism and more love in the church than I've ever experienced anywhere. And the reason is, here's what God showed to this man. He said that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as you sent, as you sent I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? And he explains to him. And then look at, look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears God, fears him and works righteousness, is accepted. Look, I'm about to get done, so stay with me. And the word which God sent to the children of Israel. Notice, Jewish. He, the word that God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Now, now he's, getting the, he's getting the mystery now. The word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God, oh, I love this verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Jewish Messiah, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we, we the Jewish people, are witnesses of all the, uh, all the things which he both did in the land of Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed and hanged on a tree. And, and him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses, Jews, to witnesses, chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Forty days, by the way. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever, whoever, not, not just Jewish now, whoever, everybody say whoever, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And God's going to put his stamp of approval on it. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcised Jews, Israelites, who, were, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these may be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Aren't you glad you've been united to Jesus? We join our Jewish brother's hands and we join the hand of Jesus together and we are the church. We are the mystery. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he says here, 
And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. Would you stand with me? We'll end there. Hallelujah. There's this mystery. Well, I wish I could have gotten done with this. Maybe get it done online. We'll do better online on Wednesday. We had a little glitch Wednesday. Back to my iPad. We're going to get it, though. Maybe I'll finish this Wednesday. You want to, get, you want to hear the, the, the second part of this. We are, we are part of something extraordinary. We are part of the church of the Lord Jesus. And the church is going to be leaving here pretty quick. The Lord's getting us ready. Now let's just think, I'm almost done, so just stay with me one more moment. I want us to think about the mercy of the Lord. God's mercy. That thousands of years ago, God selected a man by the name of Abraham. And God said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And it went for many, many years, 25 years, and God didn't answer that promise. Maybe I didn't hear from the Lord. No, Abraham, you did. Look at the sand. Look at the stars. If you could number those, you could number your children. Finally, Sarah has a child, Isaac. He's the seed. Abraham had many other children. Even after Sarah died, he was... Very active man. <laughs> but it was Isaac through Isaac. And all the prophets prophesied. Said Messiah would come and the Gentiles would come to the light. The Jewish people are the roots. God's going to turn back to the Jewish people soon. The church will be over. The church will be finished. It's a mystery. The prophets didn't see it. They saw the mountain peaks. The church is a special group. But I believe in the future, not long, the Lord will turn back to the Jewish nation. But it is a privilege that we have been selected to be a part of this special mystery. To, 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 to be a Christian... It's the greatest blessing the world has ever known. Oh, I want to get to the second part of this. Just close your eyes and let's pray. Father, we just meditate on the privilege. We just meditate on the privilege that we know you, that we're part of this mystery, that Isaiah didn't see it in its detail, nor Daniel, nor Ezekiel, nor all of the great men of God. They didn't see it, but yet you gave it to Paul. You gave him the stewardship of the new covenant. And Lord, you didn't have to see. Lord, it's just like this. It's like when the Israelites were taking the promised land. But Lord, you saw Rahab's heart. And you saved her. Lord, we're like Rahab. You didn't have to save us. You could have let us be destroyed. But you... You allowed the gospel to go forth. And we had a choice to say yes or no. And we say yes to Jesus. But today we meditate on your mercies. We know that we're going to be leaving here in the great rapture of the church very soon. And I pray that every person in this place 
would be ready, would get ready, be prepared for what's about to come. And we may go through difficult seasons, but you said you would build the church and the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Church, today my call to you is not so much an altar call, but a call of the heart to, to strengthen your resolve to serve the Lord. Be determined to live holy and to live clean before your God. There's so many things pulling at you. There's so many calls to compromise and to, to let off. It's not a time to let off, but I encourage you, strengthen your resolve to serve Jesus and to love Him with all that is within you. And so my call closed, and I'll just pray for this, that Lord would keep your heart warm. All over this room, keep your heart warm in His love. Fuel the fire with His word and prayer. Fuel the fire. If anyone in here doesn't know Jesus, if you'll come up afterwards, I'd love to pray with you. If you're having spiritual problems, we'd love, we'll be here as long as you need us here. We'll pray for you. Father, today we've heard your word. We've partaken of communion. We prayed. We've worshiped. We've sensed your love and presence. We've received of the revelation of your word. Help us to cherish that we're part of a mystery. Christ building his church. Lord, I pray a blessing on each person here. May the Lord bless your church. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. And give you his peace. And we ask it in the holy name. Above every name. The name of Jesus. I love you, church, as you're dismissed.